Support for this episode comes from PCG Digital. It is anywhere from difficult to impossible to manage every aspect of the changing digital landscape. Rather than trying to do it yourself, why not leave it to an award-winning team of digital marketing specialists who have mastered it all? Connect your message with more potential customers with PCG Digital. Go to pcgdigital.com for more information. What we talked about is your why a lie with author and TEDx speaker, Dan Moore, about your personal life, meaning what you say is your why. Why are you working? Why are you doing the things you do? If you say, my family is the most important, are uh, are your actions really backing that up? Are they really the most important? Do you have to tweak what you're doing so that you really can live to support your why? Well, the other question is, I in today's power episode of You're in Charge, Dan Moore's back, but he's talking about, is your why a lie for business? How can we apply those same tactics that he talked about to your business? And that's what we're going to jump in today. So let's get started with this power episode of You're in Charge, Conversations that Spark Change with Dan Moore. So put put this same conversation through the lens of business where if oh, so if easy. I, if I'm sitting here saying my team is the most important thing or my business yeah. or my employees are the most important thing to me, pivot just a little into the business side of yep. your why could be a lie. Yeah, no, absolutely. So first I'm gonna say this too, as we say into this, is that your why, there isn't one why. There's a multitude of why. So don't think that, okay, well, family, it can be family and business. There can be layers. No one put rules on this. So right. as we segue now into the business side of it, let's have some fun. Uh, first and foremost, <laughs> you want you want to show your team how much you matter? Keep showing up late and rescheduling meetings. You basically just sent the ultimate signal how much they matter, right? I've been guilty. Show up five, 10 minutes late, got tied up on another call. There's no, I mean, bottom line is if you value your people, you have to show up and you have to be present. Meaning if I'm having a meeting and all of a sudden I go, oh, I got to take this call. It's dangerous. The same rules apply. People are people. Right. If you're, if you're having a one-on-one and you're distracted, uh, that's why I say meetings are dangerous and and everybody watching the running company, keyword have intentional meetings, meeting on a meeting about a meeting, meeting just to get people to you know, like fluffiness, like stop. If you're having a meeting, what is it? What is it we're trying to accomplish? There's a point to the meeting. If you're having like weekly updates, I mean, we kind of, you know, again, for us, we'll have like, um, you know, weekly updates. And again, you, you kind of get a state of what everything's going on in the business and it's an overview. It's only X amount of time. And then you move into the, some of the more critical meetings. But again, our life is full of meetings. So especially with the team, we have to show them the same respect we would show our family. It's that same exact intentionality of I'm here, I'm on time, I'm present. What do we want to accomplish? You know, and especially. Be, and it can be the flip side too. I know we're talking about leaders running the meetings, but how many times we've all been in meetings where someone else is talking and we're looking at our phone. Or they're now we used to have a a, a rule of no computers, no phones in the meetings, you know, turn them off, turn them over, whatever. Some people people would sit there and say, oh, I'm going to, you know, take notes. 
but then G chats up there or they're working. So realistically, I think this is again, going back to that intentionality and presence. How much time do we waste in meetings because people were distracted by something else? And next thing you know, they say, Oh, sorry, Dan, uh, what were you saying? And so one, disrespectful Two, we just wasted time versus we're going to spend 10 minutes, seven minutes, five minutes, whatever the number is all hyper-focused and we can all get out of here versus a meeting for an hour. And you go, this could have been an email, right? That's the joke. hundred percent. No, it is a joke. And I, I do think some of it's how you set your culture up. I mean, you've got to give people the opt out, right? Because again, some people get pulled into meetings that are in there and they're like this, there's nothing I can contribute here. Right. Like you, you got to have the, no one should feel stuck in a meeting. I always say, if you're not, if there's no value here or there's nothing to contribute, you have the right to back out. Right. Uh, you, you know, but at the same point in time, it, especially now, because you can't put your device away because nine times out of 10, we're doing zoom calls or Google meets or whatever. So you're on right. a device. But I think that you've got to have intentionality. I think that you've got to, um, depending on the type of meeting, you know, there's flexibility and some humor and some kind of, you know, it can kind of go off the rails a little bit and then you bring it back for the rigid stuff where you're trying to move something along to the point, have a cadence, keep it, you know, hurt all the cats, get to the objective, get to the end result. Uh, And to your point, could it be, could it start on an email and if it needs to progress to that, great. Uh, But again, it's just, having that conversation with the team, setting the guidelines to how you guys want to navigate meetings or conversations, and then being intentional in those moments and having some, some accountability measures, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of team, you know, team kind of coming together and saying, Hey, Dan, um, do we now not a good time for you? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. Right. You got me right. Shame on me. Um, and that's part of also having a good team. If, if your team can't call you out, especially if you're a leader or whatever, then you got to question some of your leadership because again, we're in this together. The team is really the mechanics of everything. We're just there to clear the runway. So we've got to be held accountable too, because again, if we're just saying I'm so busy, what I'm doing is excusable. What you're doing isn't. It, it's, it doesn't right, work that way. Right. So right. pace the leader, pace the pack. So if you're captain, I'm on my phone and half in a meeting, you can't expect your team to be in the meeting either. Well, that's the, the poor leader would do that. All of a sudden they'd put their phone down and say, okay, well now, now you put all your phones away because now I'm ready. I'm mentally here. So snap to order when someone else is presenting and they're sitting there on their phone or I've seen it a million times is the, oh, let me go take this call. And everyone goes, well, well, now we're stuck here for 20 minutes. Like we can't move the meeting forward till Dan comes back. And where's Dan? And next thing you know, we're going, uh, and everybody starts work. But the energy of the meeting just goes, oh, this is why I hate meetings versus ignoring that. I mean, literally, if you if your phone, if you left your phone in the office and you're in another office for a meeting, you wouldn't know that the phone rang. You'd go pick it up later on and go, oh, Glenn called. Let me call Glenn back. Right. I think that's where everything we've been talking about is that intentionality of being present because the people here are important to me. And it could be my family. It could be my friends. It could be 
It could be my, my employees or my boss or whoever. The fact is when I'm here with you, it's important to me. So nothing else should matter. So then act that way. Agreed. And, and also show some humility. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had to apologize to the team because I made, I made the cardinal sin, right? Or, hey, Dan, this is a question for you. Ooh, yeah, sorry, wasn't yeah. paying attention. Instead of trying to, like, oof through it, it's like, no, no, dude, my bad. Like, like you've got to fall on the sword a couple times because, again, we're human. We're gonna, nobody's perfect. So you're going to, as I call them, you're going to have relapses. The question is, is can you catch it? Meaning there's been times where I'm like talking to my wife and the phone starts and I go, I'm sorry. And I, and I just sidearm it to the side and going, sorry, like it got me, but I'm still here. Yep. Uh, and then other times like I'm in it and, the, and then the talking, because her cue to me now is I'll just stop talking to you. So the second <laughs> it goes silent, right? I'm like, yep, I know. But again, it's accountability. And, and that's what I'm saying. You should never be off limits. Right to right. to your family or to your your team. I, I don't care what your position is and how high and mighty you think you are. You should never be off limits. You, you, you can't. No, I, I think you well, can't expect everybody else to the line, and then you you get the exception. Does no, it, it doesn't I, work I, that way. Yeah, no. I think that's what was interesting. What you were saying earlier is, and you and I share the same philosophy of you know my job as the leader, whatever position I'm in, is no important than anybody else's. I just do different things. But if you're going to build a culture, which is a word that gets thrown around all the time, but if you're going to build a successful team and a successful Are you saying, are you saying it's a buzzword? Are you saying it's a buzzword? A, that could be a buzzword. I feel like, I feel it's a like this is a buzzword. There's culture. a lot of buzzwords. Culture. Yeah. And yeah. no one knows what it is. But I think to your point is that if we're building an organization where we're all focused on the goal and we're all working hard that we should all as teammates, no matter what your rank is, we're successful. To, to that point, there was a gentleman I was having a conversation with who was a new general manager and took over a, an automobile dealership, but this could be any business, right? And it was failing. And one of the best things he said he did was he took everybody's business cards away and he replaced every business card and everybody had the title manager. He says, you all worked to drive this into the ground. We're all going to work together to build it up. So by giving everyone the title of manager, everybody was empowered to talk. Everyone was empowered to fix the problems without fear of, I can't say that to X, Y, Z. Yep. I thought that was just a brilliant strategy. And, you know, four years later, it's one of the top uh, most well-run uh, organizations I've run across. Well, and, and that's a key word right there it, that you said is the word empower. Mm-hmm. If you want people to do their job, and, and and again, you think about how many businesses we go into and it's like, I can't find good people. They don't want to work, you know, all these things that go around. Now there's some truths in, in some of it. Sure. But we also have to ask some more questions is, is what are we doing? What's mm-hmm. our contribution to the problem? Right. Because again, there's those leaders that are very micromanager style, which means you can't sneeze without it coming through me. So then therefore they're never going to have an idea. Right. And then there's others where it's like, yes, I empower you. Just like you were talking about you, you, you have the same power I do. Now, if something goes sideways and again, I have the same methodology as well as 
I didn't hire someone to make my job harder. Right. I hired someone to do that job and empower them to make the decisions. If something doesn't work right or there's, there's something that went wrong, I'm not going to go tear them a new one. I'm just going to say, let's have a conversation. What, right. why? First off, why? Imagine that. Why did you get, why did we do this, right? What was the goal of, of that decision? What were you trying to solve? Um, and if you could do something differently based on what, 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 what occurred, what would you have done differently? Right. Because again, everybody's so, we, we are so buzzword cliche in the sense of, you know, a lot of businesses fail fast and fail often. And then you go to their business and it's like the second someone makes a mistake, they're getting crucified. You're like, yeah, totally want to fail here. Right. Right. So, so, so on that point, I think as we, we, we pivot a little bit, one, one last pivot here to take that, because I think we would be remiss because I know you explain it so well is this idea of if I have a team and I train them really well to do their job to the point that I don't have to, what you mentioned, micromanaged, or I feel that, wow, my team is really executing well. For some, that's scary. They think, well, maybe they don't need me. Versus what you and I were talking about before we jumped on today, this idea of by clearing off some of those things off of my plate and empowering them to do this, my plate is empty and I can add on new things that will help the organization move forward versus we're both trying to do someone's job versus, no, that's your job. I have other things to do. Talk about that. Yeah. So there's a lot of different fundamentals to it, but essentially, you know, there comes a point to where you have to be in the weeds and there's time where you're going to come out of the weeds. I can't help someone grow if I don't understand the job. So I get in the weeds, shoulder to shoulder, we go through whatever that might be. But again, as we kind of grow and develop, it moves past the points where, again, that comes off my plate. I can fill it with another, another task, another you know, goal, another action, whatever it might be. And it changes because, again, depending on your role, whether you're you know, the CEO, a president, a manager, whatever, there's other things. So it's you know, freeing up more time to go coach and develop. It's freeing up time to go seek that next partnership or that bigger deal or you know, the, the future of the you know, platform if you're running a software company. There's always stuff to be put on the plate. The right. question is, what are you allowing to get on your plate that is preventing you from the bigger picture? And, and that's always a challenge, always has been a challenge. And, and I do feel fortunate. I mean, obviously we're a smaller company, so it's a little bit easier. I mean, I get all the time, well, Dan, you know, when you get more people, it becomes more challenging. I'm like, it's all scale. I mean, if you build the right people, you build the right bench. And as you move up and you build more people and you build more layers of management, if that management has the same mantra that you do and doesn't fear their job so that they have to be the one, look at what I'm doing all the time. It's right. just getting it done. It, it can multiply. And if you understand that and you understand, Hey, there's just some people that work and don't work for positions. It, it does change the game, but yes, I, um, I don't have a, a fear of I've got to validate my position or if all these people are doing these things and my plate looks different, I don't have any fear. Cause it's like, I get to do something else. There's other things right. that start to free up and clear clear out to where 
it's almost it's almost a reciprocal effect. I've cleared their runway so they can get the planes off the ground and run run the way they need to. By doing that, it almost does the same thing for me so that I can get off the ground and focus on the things that are critical to the growth of the company. Right. Um, because again, if we're all doing it, then everybody wins. There's more growth in the company, which means whether that's revenue, whether that's people, whatever, everybody starts to win because they feel all of those impacts. But yet the point is they're a contributor. Well, and, and, and well, what I like about that is, and, and again, a few people, I want to make sure you're not misunderstanding what Dan was saying is that if I'm working with the team, if I need to scale and grow eventually, you know, if I was had a team of five people and we expanded and now we have 10 people, well, eventually I have to get someone else up there if five is the limit. And then eventually as we scale, I have now three or four people who are that middle layer. That's my team. I'm not worried about the bottom people. I'll check in. Really, my team is that. And as I scale up, there's always a team under me. But to your point is if we're all focused on doing the same job, we're only going to get so far Correct. because no one's able to pick their head up and go, hey, we need to go that way. We're just, as you say, we're all in the weeds and someone's going, yeah, but we should be going that way. So we have to clear that plate. But it is a strange feeling as you escalate up because you may lose that um, that. I'll call it like the buzz or the high of really being in the weeds. It's very addicting. And then all of a sudden you're sitting there feeling, well, I'm not really having an impact, but you are because your impact is on that next layer down that impacts that. So almost uh, there was a gentleman two weeks ago I interviewed and, and he said something I thought was spot on. He said, the higher you move up in, in leadership, it becomes more about building relationships with your teams versus you know, going down into the tactical because you've left the tactical now because you have to build relationships with that layer of people who are coaching those people on the front lines. And I thought that was a really good way. And relationships, building relationships don't feel, they feel different. But it, to your point is, if you're accepting of that, you then are looking in a different direction to be able to do more for your team. hundred percent. And that's just, but it's uncomfortable. And to simply, you know, kind of put it in perspective too, for those watching is just think of it this way. You always should be training your replacement. If you're, if you have that mindset, A, that comes back to self-awareness. I'm comfortable in my own skin. I do what I do. It should be acknowledged. But at the same point in time, if you're going to get to the next level, which is if someone's chasing their career, right, it's that next level, then why aren't you training your replacement? Well, the fear is if I train you to do what I need, to, what I'm doing, the fear is, well, they're going to fire me and keep Dan for whatever reason. Because right. now, again, that also depends on the person who's above me, right? As we right. escalate up, always remember, if I get promoted to team leader, I'm on someone else's team, right? Yep. So I'm, I sit at the table of someone else now who I report to. So the question really is, is that person empowering me or grooming me or training me and moving me up? If not, then I feel, well, listen, uh, if I train somebody, I'm not getting that pull up to say someone's looking to groom me to take their place. The only option is if I get these other people really good, then I'll get fired. But to your point, a really well organization should always be saying, Dan, I want you to replace me. 
but I can't right. have you replace me till I you find somebody to replace you. And that should constantly be the conversation through organizations in order to scale, because then it goes back to what we were talking about, the why. If the employees really are the most important thing, then I should be hoping and working towards them improving their position, their skill set to do more. If that's really important, then I have to, as you said earlier, all act on it and do it, not just lip service. 100%. And to really kind of mind melt everybody on that point you just made is, if you have a fear of being fired, then, then you've got to think to yourself, well, if I'm not going to level someone up because they might fire me or someone, there, there's so many different ways I've heard it spun and someone asked the question, how do you get past it? And I go, I look at it as if I'm going to get fired, I'm going to get fired on my terms, not somebody else's. Hmm. You don't control what you don't control. So if someone doesn't like you, they can fire you. If you're, if you, if, if you want to run in fear all the way, that's how that works. So at the end of the day, if I'm going to get fired, I'm going to get fired because I pushed all in and I'm going to, I'm going to let it happen for me. Meaning I stood my ground. I did my job. I pushed through the barriers. If that wasn't good enough and you fired me, I'm not considering that a loss on my end. No, you just are on the wrong team, right? That, that, that's the key is that you're on the wrong team. 100%. Right. And if you've got that kind of mindset and that kind of mojo going for you, as we always joke, you're only a phone call or a social media post away from being rehired because people will know who you are by yes. the job that you do. And again, that separates everybody in any industry is everybody come in and has great lip service. It's the action that you do that will cement your business status and what you can accomplish. I didn't get to where I'm at just because I said, hey, I'm good at whatever. Or what, like none of that happened. It, it happened because people saw the action. They saw the result. Talk is cheap. Everybody, I mean, how many times, Glenn, I'm sure you and I could share stories back and forth. Somebody comes in, has a beautiful resume, man, they, they have mastered the art of interviews. They get in and like nothing happens. Right. And you're I like, didn't. what? No, you were sold a bill of goods or they sounded good and everyone was on their best behavior. But I think that that's such a, to just sort of wrap this all and, and wind this down with just this, these final thoughts is it goes back to the why. If your why is for your family, for your company, for your friends, for yourself, then that means I'm present. I want people. I am concerned, not in a bad way, but my actions should be aligned in a way that I'm not worried about what people say behind my back. Meaning that if somebody asks somebody about, you know, let's say you, I know what they're going to say. And it's all going to be the same because your actions led to ha people having that opinion of you, whether they worked with you, they met you, they heard about you, it's all aligned. But if your, if your why isn't important or you're not present or your actions don't align, that's where you get that disconnect of, well, I hope they don't find out or you know, a little song and dance or what I call jazz hands. And you're not really delivering on it because you were not intentional to begin with. Oh yeah. And it's only a matter of time. I mean, that's the thing. If you're playing the long game, you've got to have the depth. The short game is exactly what it is. It's very short when you have no substance 
you're flighty, you're not focused, you can flush it out. Even the best people that say, oh, I, you know, I, I write my goals down, I do this, look at me, I'm crushing life. Man, you know, some of us get more exposure than we need at times and you just kind of go, wow. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some people that are going to be like, wow, didn't see that. So well, they also, I mean, you and I have seen people just, it's the story and the story can run for, but then you go, well, why do you keep moving jobs? Right. Why are you always in different places? And versus if, if, if that really was aligned, it doesn't make sense. Right. That's where the, as you said, the, advertise, the advertisement doesn't live up to the reality. But I think there's one critical point before we wrap up that everybody takes a second and hears is that your why could be something as simple as this. I'm going to make a comfortable living and I'm going to enjoy my life. That is 100% okay. Yes. And we're in a society where they don't make that okay. And well, you know what? It's kind of funny. I, I think we got to take a step back and realize that it doesn't matter what you said it beautifully. People will talk, you know, behind your back, so on and so forth. It, it, and you get to the point to where if you're really comfortable in your own skin, you don't care. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that is a huge, huge, huge piece is when you get comfortable in your own skin and your why is as clear as it can be, nothing else matters. Right. Right. No, uh, I, I, I think it's, I, I was listening to, and I've said it and I'm not always as good as I will it will sound like I am. And I'm not as that, you know, my head gets a little twisted at times, but at the end of the day, I know who, who there's a circle of people, family and very close friends. If they came to me and said, I'm disappointed, that would mean something and have an impact or someone I don't know, someone who I have an, you know, even a nice relationship with that doesn't bother me, but that goes back to you. If you're aligned and that's your goal, that goes back to what you want your pace of life to be. Um, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk always talks, says that, Hey, listen, if you make 50, 60, 70, 80, whatever the number is, and you want to play on two softball teams and you want to take your family out and that's great for you. Great. Own it, but don't complain. Right. If you're then going to complain about something, then say, well, therein lies the challenge. You have to change. But if you're saying, Nope, this is what I want. Going back to the, the gentleman, Dr. Vance, if that's the pace I want for my life, like his, he designed his life where he and his wife take Fridays off and that's their time. Their kids are in school. And that, so he works four days and he finds the revenue and ways to make his money in those four days. So he can do it. Cause that's the pace of his life. And he's comfortable with it until a- nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong. And he's happy until he says, maybe I want to change, but then that's a going back to what you were saying. It's intentional of now I'm right. changing versus the complaining, I didn't do this, right? It all goes back to understanding what your why is, making it intentional, creating a strategy, creating a plan, executing it, and then long-term get there versus getting beat up in the short-term based on outside influences. Well, I really love what he talked about. Again, applying the is your why a lie to your business, to your employees, to your customers, how to tactically do that. Really do appreciate uh, Dan's comments and input and strategies, and I hope you did as well. So as I say at the end of uh, each episode, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, whatever platform you use, make sure that you subscribe. Also, please share the episode. 
because I'm sure there's other people that could benefit from what Dan just shared. And as always, rate the podcast, leave a comment, love to hear from you. If there's a topic you'd like me to discuss or maybe someone uh, that you'd like me to interview, I will do my best to provide that for you. Um, I appreciate that you're here. I know there's a lot of places that you could listen to content, but the fact that you spend some time with Dan and myself today means the world to me. I really, really do appreciate it. So as I say at the end of every episode, you're in charge, but now Dan gave you a few more tools to help you become more successful, both personally and professionally. Thanks again for listening. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.